This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Cyclone Alert, Cyclone Scoop podcast. Michael Swain here, the Iowa State beat writer for 24-7 Sports. We've got a little bit of reaction podcast for you whenever you're listening to this. Currently, it is a little bit after 2.30 in the morning here in Topeka. Just wrapped up finishing up some game content for CycloneAlert.com. I want to just talk about maybe uh, Saturday's game a little bit because I felt like it was very much a statement win for Iowa State that could set the tone for what could turn out to be a special second half of the season. This felt like a game that Iowa State really had to have. It's something that I put up on the board earlier in the week was this felt like kind of a the must-win game for Iowa State because you look at the back half of this Big 12 schedule that Iowa State has, and you host Oklahoma State this week. You've got trips to West Virginia and Texas Tech and Oklahoma, and then you've got to host a Texas team that has had its moments this season. So a lot of big games to come for Iowa State this season. And it felt like Saturday was a game that they really had to get coming off a bye week against a Kansas State team that's just mediocre, I I think. You know, we'll see how they turn out maybe against some of those bottom tier Big 12 programs. But I think in general, if you're looking at Iowa State season so far, it's really interesting, I think, so far the way this has played out. Because going into the year, it was fair to expect Iowa State to hit the ground running with the amount of talent it had coming back, the amount of continuity on both sides of the ball within the coaching staff. Everything led you to believe that they'd be able to get off to a strong start. But the more and more I've maybe thought about the start of the season, it it was a classic September for Iowa State under Matt Campbell, where you start the season slow. Of course, you and I, Iowa, um, you have kind of the, the easy non-conference game in UNLV, but you still have a game against Baylor where, you know, you're pretty good in two out of the three phases, but one of the three phases special teams really hindered you. And the more I thought about it, it somewhat makes sense, I think. And I'll frame it like this. be You think about Iowa State's team, and there's not much change within the roster. Yes, there could be individual development. You know, Yes, you could argue that Brees Hall is playing right now the best football he's played, but he was banged up going into the year, so was Charlie Kohler. And I think in general, with the team that is so experienced, I'm not necessarily sure if you can expect so much of a drastic change because it is so similar. So what would lead you to believe that it's going to be different? And of course, it's captain hindsight. It's a lot easier to do these things in hindsight, but it's made me feel maybe a little more comfortable about Iowa State's position right now because it certainly seems like Iowa State is in the midst of one of its classic October runs. Obviously, dismantled Kansas two weeks ago. You have a really strong performance here against Kansas State coming off the bye, and now you've got the real big litmus test against Oklahoma State next week. They've looked pretty good against, you know, again, mediocre opponents outside of Big 12 play, right? They beat Missouri State. They beat Tulsa. They barely beat Boise State. You know, it's crazy that you look at those non-conference games and their total margin, you know, was 13 points over the course of those three non-conference games against those three non-conference teams. Okay. And then they go on, they beat Kansas State. 
really comfortably, and then they play really well against Baylor and then Texas. So this Oklahoma State team is playing some good football right now, but it's one of these things where this is going to be the real big test now for Iowa State. You know, you felt like this one today on Saturday or yesterday, depends when you're listening, technically it's Sunday, but, you know, it, it kind of felt like a big game. And now you really look at this game next Saturday against Oklahoma State, and it's kind of one of those where Iowa State can maybe reestablish itself within the top 25, reannounce itself, I think, to the country that maybe has shunned Iowa State after the slow start to the season. And I think there's reasons to be encouraged with what you saw, I think, on Saturday. And I think for me, the biggest thing is you look at kind of the balance Iowa State was able to strike with on offense, where you can look at different points this season where the run game has looked really good, the pass game has looked decent, but you really haven't had maybe a blended overall performance of balance. And I mean, you can't really get any closer to a balanced performance as they did on Saturday, where you know, Brock Purdy throws for 208 passing yards and Iowa State rushes for 210 yards. And that's all you can ask for is a good balanced attack because I think that's when Iowa State is at its best. When Brees Hall is able to break free for some big runs, which then helps set up some of the play action stuff, softens the defense. And you saw Iowa State try and throw the ball downfield a few times. They were able to convert once or twice, but those are positive signs for this team going into this back half of the season, which again, some real big games are coming up and you're going to need to be humming going into the back half of the season. So as for some individual specifics that I felt like were notable, obviously Iowa State made a big change along the offensive line. Jared Hufford came in for Sean Foster to start at left tackle. And Iowa State has been phasing Jared Hufford into the into the team, into that starting unit, whatever you want to call it, really dating back to that Fiesta Bowl game in January where Jared Hufford came in and played almost the entire second half, I want to say, uh, playing at left guard, if I remember correctly, where you know he played a little bit against Kansas State, a little bit against West Virginia, but then went in and played, I believe at that point, it was about 20, 25 snaps in that Fiesta Bowl game. And Matt Campbell, when he talked to him post-game in, in Manhattan today, said that he felt like Hufford played really well in that bowl game and then was able to build off it in the offseason. But you look at the, kind of the roster in that composition, and of course, Sean Foster's back. He used the extra COVID year, and he earned the starting spot in camp, obviously beat out Jake Remsburg to win that starting left tackle spot. And so, but then you look at what's happened so far this season where you know, Hufford was the first guard into the game when Trevor Downing had to miss a few snaps. You know, he didn't play a bunch against Iowa, but then got some run in the fourth quarter against UNLV. And the real big change here is that Kansas game. Because through those first three games of the season, Hufford played always at left guard. That's where he, when he came into the game, it was left guard. Against Kansas, when he came in, they moved him to left tackle. And I think at that point, you can look what happened in the previous week against Baylor, where I think Sean Foster probably had his worst game in several weeks. Obviously, probably the worst game, I think, of his season so far at, at that point. But even dating back, I think, to the year prior, where I thought last year he was really solid, you know, but just had a bad game at Baylor. And then you kind of come back, you have that Kansas game, and they give Jared Hufford some run at left tackle. I thought he looked pretty good. But at that point, you can kind of see that they were trying to test it out going into the bye week. How does he look against a Kansas team that you're up early on, but still had some of their starters in at that point? So he was getting reps against, you know, starting Big 12 caliber players, even if, again, bottom tier Big 12 teams, still a good way to test someone out. So go into the bye week, and sure enough, Jared Hufford gets to start at left tackle. By all accounts, he played well today. I thought he looked good. Matt Campbell said he played well. Brees Hall said he played well. So 
it seems like this will likely be his position going forward. And I think it's interesting. You look at the offensive line group for Iowa State now, and man, that 2019 class could turn out to be one of these cornerstone, I think, classes for Iowa State. You look at overall, you've got Jared Hufford, right, who looks like he's going to be starting now at left tackle going forward. You've got Daryl Simmons, who's starting at right guard. And then you've got Jake Remsburg, who started multiple games last year and by all accounts is someone that the staff feels pretty good about going long term. So you've got three players there, one that can play guard or tackle, one that's a really powerful guard and one that's kind of got some good potential there in Remsburg at tackle. And you've got to feel really good about the offensive line group going forward, even if Colin Newell decides to move on, even if Derek Schweiger decides to move on, you know, even if Trevor Downing decides to move on either this year after the next year, you know, there are guys now that Iowa State's going to have plenty of years of eligibility because, again, these guys get the COVID year. So they've got a lot more time left with this offensive line group, which long-term, you got to feel really good about. And I think that that's maybe been a theme too now, now that we're kind of in the midway point of this season, is some of these young players – pushing some of the starters and not necessarily all of them are true freshmen, but one of them is in Jalen Knoll. And he had a breakout game against Kansas state on Saturday, you know, goes for a career high. I believe it was five receptions for 48 yards, had a really clutch drive. I felt like there in the second quarter, right before halftime where he converts on a third down. The next play has a really good block that sets up a screen pass for Xavier Hutchinson. A few plays later, he gets found for a 25-yard gain and a career-long reception, puts Iowa State in the red zone. They get points out of it. I thought that he was incredible. I think for a true freshman to come in with his size, he's not a 6'3", 215 guy. He's someone that's playing the slot. And so for his ability to come in and play like he's not a true freshman, I think is really impressive. And when I think about this Iowa State team right now, you look up up and down the roster, and there are some young guys that are pushing these veteran guys for playing time. And I always go back to something that Barton Simmons used to say when he worked for us at 24-7 Sports, which was, if you want to look at the trend that a program is in, look at the players that are leaving the program and look at the players that are pushing them for playing time. Are those young players taking over those veteran spots? If so, then your program is going to be in a good spot long term more often than not, if those players are good. It's different when you're at a program like Kansas, one of the bottom tier programs where, okay, you should be because you're young and you're trying to get more talent in there. But for Iowa State, you look at Jalen Knoll. He's pushing Tariq Milton, you know, probably by the end of the season, maybe playing more snaps than Tariq Milton is game in and game out. You look at Jared Hufford taking over someone that's a quote unquote super senior at left tackle. You look at someone like TJ Tampa, who has started every game since Daytron Young missed that UNLV game, and he's now looks like cornerback number two for Iowa State, and he's someone that Matt Campbell has described as one of kind of the rising stars in the program. So I think overall, you're starting to see maybe some of those green shoots for a lot of these young players. And that's not even going into the likes of you know guys like Bro Freeler, guys like Miles Purchase, a lot more of the true freshmen that certainly seem to have a lot of talent. So I think long-term, got to feel really good about the Iowa State program and the direction that it is headed. I think as for this season, you still have some big contests to come. And I think the big now test is that Oklahoma State game. Because if you do beat Oklahoma State, they're probably going to be ranked 12th. We'll have to see what, when the polls come out on Sunday. But that's a real big opportunity now. And the opportunity for Iowa State to make that Big 12 title game is still very real. You know, Oklahoma looks better and better now with Caleb Williams as a starting quarterback. Texas, man, they 
they're all gas until they run out of gas. You know, they certainly did that against Oklahoma and again against Oklahoma State this week. And then you look at Oklahoma State. They look like Iowa State's biggest competition right now to be that second spot in the Big 12 title game. Well, if Iowa State beats Oklahoma State on next Saturday, then Oklahoma State has one loss in Big 12 play, and they still have to go to Bedlam and play that game against Oklahoma. And they have not played well in that game, and I would pick Oklahoma to win that. So you're looking at then Oklahoma State having two losses, and that's without you know playing some of the other Big 12 teams as well. You know They still have to play TCU. They have to play West Virginia. So I think that for Iowa State, the season now kind of rides on this Oklahoma State game because – you don't see them probably losing, you know, to multiple games outside of that Oklahoma game down the stretch, even if some of those will be close. So real big matchup, I think, coming up. We'll talk a lot more about that this week. We'll we'll talk to Cody Nagel from our Oklahoma State website, get his thoughts on everything. But I think in general, Iowa State has to feel really good about this Kansas State game. And I think, too, a quick nugget before we get out of here, too. If you're into the recruiting stuff, this is also something that's kind of notable was that Kansas State had a bunch of recruits on campus and a lot of them that Iowa State is recruiting to. Chandavian Bradley is a top 247 defensive end that Iowa State's recruiting. You know, Joe Oting is a, a guard out of Kansas that Iowa State offered uh, after camp. He was there. Avery Johnson, a four-star quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. I was in Wichita to see him on Friday. He was in Manhattan too today. Dylan Edwards, another tie-end Kansas talent, was there. And Iowa State demolished Kansas. And from the Kansas State, I should say. And it was from the start where that first play from Brees Hall, you know, really silenced the crowd. And the crowd really did not get into it. So I think that's something too, because Iowa State and Kansas State have been in a lot of recruiting ballads. You can look no further than guys like Carson Willich, Akene Ezeogu, guys that are committed to Iowa State right now in that 2022 class. You know, Kansas State offered them, and Iowa State and Kansas State are going to be doing battle in Kansas City a lot. And I think for Iowa State to have a victory like that in Manhattan with those recruits on hand, you know, I think it is big and it's notable. Now, it's also worth saying that I don't think the result of a game necessarily changes the overall visit experience for guys. I would say the same thing about those people that were on campus for the Iowa game from an Iowa State perspective. You know, it's not the end of the world, but it is something that, you know, will sit in the minds of recruits that Iowa State is kind of a team that can go travel on the road in the Big 12 and put up big performances. So overall, really big performance from Iowa State today really seemed like the season is kind of back on track to where they do still have to put together a real strong home stretch here. But the idea of making the Big 12 title game, I think, is a lot more real and a lot more plausible than it maybe felt in after the Waco game a few weeks ago. So we'll leave it there for the podcast this evening. Thank you again for listening, as always. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And if you're not already following us on Twitter, you follow myself at mswain247. You can also follow us at cyclonealert247 on Twitter as well. We'll have a lot more content coming your way on Sunday and all throughout next week. So thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.